Welcome to another episode of the Leaders in Education podcast, the official podcast for the Charlevoix-Emmett Intermediate School District, featuring voices in education. My name is Mike Haynes, and I'm the Director of Instructional Services at the Charlevoix-Emmett Intermediate School District. Today, it is my pleasure to be talking with Kelly Rogers. Kelly is a school psychologist and board-certified behavior analyst. Currently, she works as a special education coordinator at the Charm ISD. Kelly has extensive experience with evaluation for special education eligibility, positive behavioral interventions and supports, IEP development and implementation, and establishing effective programs for students on the autism spectrum. Kelly also contributes to the development of systems of support for students as they transition from school to employment settings. Kelly, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So in addition to that illustrious background, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your current role at Sharm? Well, I have three primary roles. Um, one of them is monitor for special education. So I'm monitoring, monitor, monitoring IEPs and things like that. The second big role or pocket of work is transition coordinator. And that takes me into the role of supporting students who are transitioning out of school into mm-hmm. employment and life. And the third is the PBIS or the positive behavior interventions and supports work, which also involves supporting our current BCBAs or board certified behavior analysts and our registered behavior technicians. Busy job. Yes, a lot of work. (laughs) A lot of hats. So, and and I know that PBIS is a big part of that job. Can you explain what PBIS is and maybe what it is not? Well, one of the things, I mean, PBIS has a really long history and there are a lot of elements of what makes PBIS. Um, We have done some rebranding here at SHARM to PBIS Plus. which has allowed us to do some intentional alignment of the PBIS systems to um, with mental health services, with restorative justice and other restorative practices, trauma presumed work, social emotional learning, etc. So um, I think what makes PBIS different than what has been traditional addressing behavior in schools Mm -hmm. is its high focus on prevention. It's setting up systems that create safe, predictable, inclusive, responsive, engaging learning environments. And there's a lot of components to that. There's a lot of parts and pieces and flowing parts and pieces to that. But the core goal of that is creating those environments where kids are just more likely to be successful. So PBIS is a national a national uh, initiative and the yeah. plus is unique to SHAR-M. Well, it's unique to SHAR-M and what we're calling it PBIS plus, but there is a national push of what's called interconnected systems framework, okay. sure. which is really a targeted focus on the integration and alignment of PBIS and school mental health. Gotcha. And so we've just expanded from interconnected systems framework to include these other components like restorative justice and trauma resumed gotcha. work. So when we're talking about behavioral interventions, what are some examples of strategies or interventions that are commonly used in schools? And, and how do you determine which strategies are appropriate for which students? Yeah, so there's some core strategies. We call them often in schools tier one or in PBIS mm-hmm. tier one, core interventions that are just meant to be for all kids. There's th- there are those things that prevent the ma- majority of behavioral issues for most Mm -hmm. kids. And so there are things like having clear expectations, ensuring that kids are receiving at least five positive interactions from the adults that are servicing them for every one time we have to make a correction or prompt or things like that. Um, Using visuals, differentiating instruction, using peers to help create an environment of belonging, um, etc. So there's a lot of strategies that are just core to all kids. Mm -hmm. And then in most PBIS schools, 
schools, then there's decision rules about when do you know kids need a little more than that. Um, that little more we tend to call tier two. Mm -hmm. So there's specified interventions that groups of kids might receive because they're having specific um, challenges with peer interactions, with attendance, with um, just you know disruptive behavior. And so those decision rules have to do with the data that we're collecting. We call them office discipline referrals or ODRs. I'm not um, entirely excited about that because it gets it takes us back to that old thinking right. of this is we're discipline. sending them to the office, giving them discipline or punishment, and really all it's intended to be is your data set. So once you have a kid who's receiving so many office discipline mm -hmm. referrals, that might be an indication that our core interventions are not being effective. So now we would talk about what might they need for tier two, and for kids that even tier two isn't enough, we would go on to tier three, which is really super individualized supports behavior plans things like that okay so on that note you know there i've heard uh schools say in the past we you know we're a pbs school um and sometimes they're not really doing pbs the way you're describing it so you know what is it not i mean what we hear you know people talk about well it's an a it's a reward it's a reward thing it's a an assembly once a month uh, and it's not that Right. Uh, but somehow that becomes what some folks hang on to. So what would what would you say to dispel the myths about what PBIS is not? Yeah, so one of the things I would say is that PBIS at its core is a system. It's not a particular intervention. And I think people pick out the interventions that are a part of it and make it, well, that must be PBIS. Where gotcha. PBIS is a larger system where you have processes for ensuring that your core interventions, which are a lot of them, mm -hmm. are being implemented with fidelity, and that you have processes and procedures in place to be able to make sure no kids are dropping, you know, are um, going through the cracks, that you're addressing their needs through that tier two and tier three, and that it's a constant team-based decision-making and problem-solving and using data to make those decisions. It's the bigger system part of it that is sure. PBIS, okay. not any particular strategy or intervention. Okay. So you also have experience as a school psychologist. And yeah. so whether it's PBIS or any uh, intervention or behavioral support, uh, what is the role of the school psychologist um, in those cases? Yeah, so that will differ. It, you know, it differs all over the, the state and certainly the country and how school psychologists are utilized in this way. Typically, school psychologists have some additional behavioral training, so it puts them in a good position to help support um, the PBIS efforts of the schools that they're service, servicing. Um, in in Sharam, our um, school psychologists are serving as what we call ISD coaches mm -hmm. to our partnering PBIS schools. So they actually support, they sit on their school leadership teams, um, they help ensure communication between um, resource access at the ISD to the school. Um, and so they serve in that way. They also, of course, because they're they do special education evaluations, then they're in a great spot to be able to assist with ensuring that we've done all the interventions prior to with fidelity be point. before making decisions about kids needing you know, special education. Um, and they're also typically highly involved in the um, conducting functional behavioral assessments, writing either universal, um, individualized universal support plans or behavior intervention plans, which are more tier three related services, but you know, they're often very involved in that level, that tier three level as well. Okay. 
So the, all of this, especially PBIS, doesn't happen by chance. It, it right. takes an intentional effort. Um, for, it takes training and, and a mindset shift. So what is the professional learning that needs, or, or, or what are the resources that are available or need to be in place for teachers or other school staff to learn about PBIS? Yeah, so there's many ways to onboard PBIS, and I think um, Michigan has the Michigan's, um, the My MTSS TA Center, or the Michigan's Multi-Tiered System of Support mm -hmm. um, TA Center, and that, that's one way that schools can partner with them to receive an entire series of trainings, both at, tier, at all three tiers, Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3. Um, here at SHARM, we also do that training series. So if people want to onboard PBIS, we can do an audit of where are they currently, what do they already have in place of those pieces, and really oh. design uh, um, Tier 1 onboarding that's tailored to where they are and where their gaps are. And then, of course, we offer then a, an entire Tier 2 installation training, a Tier 3 installation training that schools can participate on participate in. This year, we actually have two offerings that are just repeated sessions called Trauma Presumed Behavior Supports mm -hmm. that will really be a full-on um, if you have new staff, if you're already a partnering school and have new staff, or if you haven't really partnered but are interested in what that work looks like, you can participate in there. There's going to be a lot of resources and tools, et cetera, and just conceptually, what is it and how would we do it in our school? That'll be those two sessions. Those are available on our Wisdomware. And then we're working on some asynchronous options for onboarding Tier 1 especially, um, maybe you know, doing a Schoology um, series where then people can access it at any time. There are a lot of resources already out there, but trying to get them all in one place sometimes is difficult. So we're working on a tool to just, the TA Center has some recordings, the, the national PBIS organizations have recordings, but getting them in one mm -hmm. place that would be easy for a teacher to say, hey, I'm interested more in this. Okay. And, and so we're working on having some tools and resources in that way as well. So if I'm a teacher or administrator and I want to learn more, yeah. uh, I can either call you or, yep. or where else can I go to, to learn more? Well, the, the um, My MTSS TA Center's okay. website would be one place. Um, PBIS.org is the national PBIS resource. Okay. Um, and then our Wisdomware, if you want to attend trainings, the, all of our trainings that we're offering for next year will be available on there as well. Contacting me is a great place because sometimes I have I know of resources that I don't even sure, think to yeah. put on paper that depending on what it's specifically you're looking for, you know. You know, so let's move on to trauma. You mentioned that a couple times. Yeah. There, there seems to be a, an uptick in the identification of students who have trauma histories or adverse childhood experiences. What are the ways that schools are addressing those needs from your perspective, both through the PBIS lens as well as your school psychologist lens? Yeah, it's interesting because people I get this question a lot and at the you know, at the end of the day, PBIS is predicated on supporting all kids. That those interventions that are part of PBIS, many kids do come to school not quote unquote needing those things mm -hmm. to be successful. Those things are predicated on the kids that are not being successful with the way we've always done things. And so it, it, it lends itself well to say it already is trauma. Hmm. And gotcha. I use the word trauma presumed. Um, primarily, um, I, I, I lifted that from some other ABA work, but 
primarily because we don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't possibly know, servicing the kids that we are, which kids have had histories that have been traumatic for them. And so we can just, if we respond, it's not going to hurt kids that didn't have a trauma history to to respond in those ways. Um, So the PBIS components that really lend themselves well to kids who have histories of trauma are one, those clear expectations and predictable routines. It creates a pulse. It creates a predictable place to be that brings that anxiety down that often is a part Mm -hmm. of kids who have histories of trauma. Um, Those core universal strategies that are predicated on building relationships are also one of those core features for kids who have trauma. They need safe people in their environment um, that are listening and are responsive to that listening. Um, And so those, you know, and have compassion honestly. Mm-hmm. And so the PBIS is built on building relationships and creating those predictable, safe environments that then, of course, for those kids who have trauma histories, um, help support the anxiety that comes with that. So then they can engage and they can mm-hmm. learn. Um, so. so what you're talking about is having a system that's established to serve all students, whether they have immediate needs or not. Yep. It won't harm the students that don't have those needs. It probably makes the learning environment even better. Yep. Uh, and it would then be available for those who do. Yeah. And I think the questions have come up about, well, okay, so we can respond this way to challenging behavior if they have a trauma history, but we're going to revert back right. to the way we've always done that. But we don't know is part of the problem. We don't know which kids that how we're responding is actually re-traumatizing sure. them from their histories. It's better for all kids to respond differently and be there as a listening ear in those right. positive relationships. So you're going to be doing some podcasting yourself. Yeah. Uh, can you share what your thoughts are? What are you planning to focus on? You know, I'm kind of eclectic in my interest <laughs> areas, hence the, all the roles that I play. Um, so I would like to, um, you know, kind of have a little... Uh, conversations with Kelly or you know something like that and really cover a lot of the areas we've talked about PBIS obviously Mm -hmm. my passion is behavior that's my work in supporting kids who present with behavior but I'm also really passionate about ensuring that we have meaningful IEPs with for kids who have complex learning needs that we um, are preparing those kids who have complex needs and have significant barriers to employment for being able to have meaningful employment as adults. And so I'm hoping to explore all those things that I find interested yeah. in and hope <laughs> others uh, find interest in them as well with me. Well, I'm sure our listeners like me are looking forward to hearing your first podcast and, and, and hopefully several uh, after that and the expertise that you're gonna be sharing. So I look forward to hearing you um, more in the future. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, I think I'd just like to thank you. And again, for anyone who's listening, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm hoping to be out in districts uh, and, and be more present physically, you know, in districts this mm-hmm. year. So hopefully we'll get to meet and uh, uh, further explore. Maybe I'll do an interview with me. Who knows? Well, thank you. It's, we've been talking to Kelly Rogers um, here about behavior, positive behavior, interventions and supports and everything in between. Thank you for having this conversation with me. Thank you. Um, it's clear that you're, from your experience and your expertise, that um, these are things that are more important now than probably ever. And so thank you for doing the work that you do. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Leaders in Education podcast. Please check out our archive for past episodes. And remember, the great thing about learning is that you never have to stop.